0: The Metropolitan Opera Guild is the premier arts education organization dedicated to enriching the lives of children and adults through the magic and artistry of opera. To learn more about the Guild's many exciting programs and events, please visit metguild.org. Hello
1: everyone and welcome to the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast. I'm your host, Naomi Baratera, and the goal of our podcast is to share knowledge and insights into our beloved operatic art form, drawing from a variety of different programs that we have going on here at Lincoln Center in New York City. I am here in our boardroom here at the Guild with two of my colleagues from Community Engagement. We have the Director of School Programs and Community Engagement, Stuart Holt.
0: Hi, everyone.
1: And we have Elspeth Davis, who is our coordinator at Community Engagement, or for Community Engagement. Hello! So here we are, and we are coming to you today, or we are gathered today, to discuss the new season which was just announced this past week. And so we are very excited to share some of our thoughts, some of the things that we're excited about, and give you some little inside scoops and tidbits into what you might want to look out for as you are thinking about next season. So we're going to start with diving into the new productions. So we'll look at those first, and then we'll talk about some other things. So our first new production, and we're going to go in order of how they are appearing in the season, is Tristan und Isolde, Wagner's uh, major work that everybody loves, and this is opening this season this year, so we are quite excited about this. Who do we have conducting this this year? Do
2: we know? It's Simon Rattle. Simon Rattle, that's Sir very Simon exciting. Rattle, yes. <laughs> I saw him a couple of years ago when they did Pelias and Melisande for maybe three performances, and it was so exciting, so I'm really glad that he's back for this. Yes, and I
1: just saw him at Carnegie Hall this season doing the big Beethoven symphony run there, which was also fantastic. And we also have a new, uh, the new production has a director, which we've seen before at the Met, which got great acclaim. If anyone saw Bluebeard's Castle and the Iolanta Double Bill, it was Mariusz Tralinski. I was very, very taken by that production. I loved that production, so I was Mm -hmm. very excited to see him slotted as the director for this new opening work for the season.
0: Yeah, I think that he'll sort of explore the darker side Mm. of Mm -hmm. uh, Tristan, perhaps something we haven't seen in previous productions here at the Met. I think that his... Uh, work on both Iolanta and Bluebeard's castle sort of open that door to be able to explore a a darker side to the piece Mm -hmm. uh, which I think will be fun for audiences to sort of see Uh, it'll be a long opening night though that's true I think it
2: starts at five right oh my goodness
1: (laughs) everyone's gonna have to eat you know lunch a late lunch early dinner exactly (laughs) Oh, and I almost forgot to mention that Nina Stemme is the one who is going to be singing our Isolde and on opening night So let's give this a listen This is the Liebestod uh, just so you can get a a sense of the kind of vocal treat that you're in for So this is Nina Stemme singing Isolde's big vocal moment So the next one coming up after Tristan is Guglielm Tell by Rossini, and this is, I believe, a co-production with the Dutch National Opera. So very exciting to see a collaborative work come to the stage. What are our thoughts on Guglielm
2: Tell? Well, as you mentioned before, the only thing I really know about it is the overture, but I am really excited to uh, see Gerald Finlay do the title role. And then Brian Himmel um, is a really exciting tenor. It'll be really great to see him sort of uh, tackle this.
1: Stuart just showed me a clip of him singing Nessun Dorma the other day, which blew me away. It was so good. And I hadn't really seen him sing much. I don't know that much about him. And so it really got me excited, even though yes, Nessun Dorma is a totally different <laughs> style than Bel Canto Tell, but I'm excited
2: nonetheless. And we were talking earlier about how um, opera is not really done very often just because the roles are so challenging so it'll be really great to see singers of this caliber do something like this on the met stage Definitely.
0: yeah i think much like pearl fishers that we saw this season we haven't seen it in over 80 years right. on the met stage wow. so <clears throat> i think that that excitement and enthusiasm for a lesser known work mm-hmm. um, i think will hopefully drive audiences to the theater to catch a of once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with a really great singing cast and Maestro Luizzi will be in the pit with the orchestra. So I think um, it could be quite an exciting second uh, new production of the season. Mm
3: -hmm. I think
1: to wrap up our discussion of this opera we really have to listen to that famous excerpt from the Overture. So this is Uh, part of the music that as soon as you hear it, you'll recognize it and it will bring a smile to your face and This is actually the end of the Overture. So this is not how the Overture starts But the Overture kind of tells a whole story going through different feelings and different sections And then it ends with this finale, which is a kind of amazing cavalry charge by the orchestra You can hear galloping horses. It's just it's really fun. It really shows Rossini at its best so this is The End of the Overture, the March of the Swiss Soldiers New production number three of the season. I know that Elspeth is very excited about this one so I will let her introduce it. Why
2: don't you uh, go ahead Elspeth tell us all about it. So the third new production of the season is L'Amour de Loin by Kaya Sariaho. She's a Finnish composer and I'm really excited about it because we haven't really seen a contemporary work like this in the Met in a long time. It's also exciting if you saw the New York Times article it's been 103 years since the Met has done an opera that was written by a woman. Yes. Um, I think it's just really exciting the sort of sound world that she creates beautiful music and I really hope that people don't shy away from it just because it's something that is very contemporary. I think that um, it's really sort of accessible and I encourage everyone to go see it. Well, I'll encourage everyone to see it because I would like a ticket to it. So um, (laughs) most people come and see it because I'm going to go. (laughs) (laughs) And I was actually reading in a New York Times
1: article that this is considered the most important opera of the 2000s. So I think that's another reason to really give this opera a second look to make an effort to check it out because you'll get to see what, kind of the new voices, or at least one of the new voices that is adding to our operatic repertoire, continuing the evolution of opera today. And since none of us really know this opera, I know Elspeth knows this opera, but since many people are unfamiliar with it, I'm certainly unfamiliar with it, we have a little clip here just to give you a sense of the musical sound world that you can expect when you go to see this opera in the house. So here we have just a short excerpt from L'Amour de Loin.
3: Dis-moi avant toute chose, la tifie TV... Tu le crois.
1: designer for this production is
0: Robert Lepage that's
1: right very exciting I was a big fan of his The Tempest when he designed Mm -hmm. The Tempest for Thomas Addis which was another uh, kind of new modern contemporary work so I'm very much looking forward to what he's going to do with this one
0: and I think he will bring a stage design that lines up with the sound world that Sarriaho creates for us as an audience I know that he's going to use LED lighting that's sort of going Mm -hmm. to run the expanse of the stage and also move towards the orchestra pit so I think it visually sounds really exciting uh, I, I think experience. so.
2: I mean, the story itself is very <laughs> abstract, so I think it lends itself to all kinds of really interesting staging. Um, it's just basically about a woman who lives across the ocean and a man who lives on the other side of the ocean who, you know, loves her from afar, and then the messenger who was their go-between. And so it's a very simple, very abstract story. I think it's based on a 13th or 14th century sort of myth or or tale and I I'm just really excited.
1: Do we know is it a kind of a small ensemble cast? Is it really a cast of three or is there a chorus in it? a cast of three.
2: Um I believe there is a chorus in it. All right that's
1: pretty exciting though it's going to be a good cast I'm sure. Do we know who's singing?
2: Yes um the one I'm most excited about is of course Eric Owens who is my favorite. So it's Eric Owens, Susanna Phillips, and um, Tamara Mumford, who I think was in Anna Belena yes. this year. Um, and she's great, really incredible voice. And the cast is exciting, and I just really can't wait for it.
1: All right, well, let's move on. Next on our docket is Romeo et Juliet by Charles Gounod, And I know that Stuart is a big fan of French opera. So Stuart, why don't you tell us a little bit more about this one?
0: I am. Uh, This production is the New Year's Eve Gala so it'll open uh, on New Year's Eve with a really uh, exciting cast. Diana Damrau is Juliet and Vittorio Mm Grigolo is the Romeo. Um, Our audiences may remember the sort of heat and passion they generated as uh, Manon and uh, De Grieux in Massonet's Manon several seasons ago. Uh, And this is a new production directed by Bartlett Sher who brought us the opening production this current season of Othello along with some uh, favorite productions of Elixir of Love. Um, He also brought us... uh,
1: Did he do Barber? He did Did do Barber Barber. and
0: Tales of Hoffman. Hoffman. So really uh, a wide sort of swath of productions and different ideas. I think that this is sort of a a great lush Shakespeare adaptation. Uh, It's already been seen at the Salzburg Festival. Uh, It was seen at La Scala and this current season it's being presented at Chicago Lyric. So uh, it's great to bring this production to the Met and be able to see it. I think that it'll be sort of something really exciting to kick off a new year uh, as a gala production. Uh, And Maestro Nozeda will be in the pit uh, conducting the orchestra. So I think he'll bring a real uh, great flair to what is, in my opinion, a really beautiful, sumptuous score. Mm
1: -hmm. It really is. It kind of is the the most well-known, I think, or the most accessible of the kind of French operas, partly for the story, right. because we all kind of know the story of Romeo and Juliet, but I think it's such a perfect way, as Stuart said, to ring in the new year. It's such a romantic night at the opera, right. so even yeah. though it has a tragic ending, it is incredibly <laughs> romantic, so it's a good date night opera, I think. Right. Right. And, of course, I'm super excited for Deanna damrau I love her. If you saw her in Pearl Fishers, oh, she's fantastic. then you'll want to see her again in this, and she's sung a lot. Of Belcanto at the Met as well. Yes. So it's it's really exciting to see her back in some French repertoire mm-hmm. again.
2: And the second cast I think is equally. That was exciting. Who is on our second cast? Uh, it's Pretty Yenda is the Juliet, and uh, Stephen Costello is the Romeo. Oh, that's very exciting. So I think that'll be really great. So you should see it twice. Yes, you yeah. should see it twice. <laughs> and uh, if you
1: think back, if you went to La Cenerentola, Chandra- <laughs> I believe Pretty Yende was in La Cenerentola. No, not La Cenerentola. Chandra- Le no, Comte Ory. Le Comte Ory mm-hmm. was the last time that we saw her on, on the Met stage. So it's it's exciting to have her back with us again. Before we move on, let's take a moment to listen to a little excerpt from this work. Since we've talked about how beautiful and how lush and sensual the music is, this is an excerpt from the beginning of Act Four just to give you a taste of what you have to look forward to. So beautiful, it never gets old. But we have to move on, so let's go to our next new production. This is new production number five, and this one is actually one of my personal favorites. It's in kind of my top ten uh, favorite operas list. This is Rusalka by Dvorak, and I will admit that I'm a big fan of the current production. I think it is absolutely enchanting, it transports you to this kind of fairy tale other world. But because I love that production so much, I'm actually really excited to see what the new production does because all of the pictures and things that I've seen that are kind of evidence of the direction that it's going I think are really beautiful and so I'm just I'm just curious what they're going to do and I do think that it's going to be a really fantastic work of art in the end. The production is designed by Mary Zimmerman, so it's always nice to see another one of her productions coming to the stage. And I believe that Christine Opelias is going to be singing the title role in this opera. She is going to be our new Rusalka. And this is a Met role debut for her, but she has sung the role before. Yes. Um, She has,
2: yes, to great Yes,
1: And so I think that we should listen to a little bit of her so that you get a sense of the vocal flavor that Opelias brings to the role. So, Christine Opelias, do we know who's singing the Prince?
0: Yes, I believe that Brandon Jovanovich is singing the Prince. So, um, our audiences may remember him from Lady Macbeth of Midsangs, where Mm -hmm. he had uh, some really great uh, acclaim in that role. And Jamie Barton is singing Yeji Baba, the a witch mm-hmm. uh, which well, that's I think really exciting is a yeah new uh, is a new role for her uh so i think she'll bring a, a nice comedic flair to mm-hmm. that character um and again i think it'll be sort of an all-star cast and eric mm-hmm. owens uh it's everyone's is,
2: favorite yeah uh
0: will be as the vodnik uh the yes. uh, Rusalka's father and so i think honestly it cast-wise it's really really exciting yes um and a beautiful piece beautiful music uh features the hymn to the moon uh mm, sort yes. of aria the one hit exactly. sort of that everybody knows from the opera right
1: at the beginning but i will <laughs> say that the score is full of leitmotifs that kind of morph and change and their transformative kind of structure in it as the score goes on and so once you kind of tune into these little themes that are associated with all these different elements. It really is an interesting score to listen to. And I think the orchestration is gorgeous. Just, Mm -hmm. it's beautiful writing for the orchestra. So that's very exciting to see a new production for such a beautiful opera and one that has been in the repertory for a little while now. So we have some kind of fresh uh, blood breathed into it as it comes back. So moving on to our last new production of the season, and this is kind of closing out the season, mm-hmm. I believe. This is Strauss's Der Rosenkavalier.
2: So this is a very exciting opera to have a new yes. production for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be a very hot ticket, the Met, especially because I believe she's announced it. Renee Fleming has said this is the last time that she's doing this role. Yes. So it'll be oh, your wow. absolute last chance to see the fantastic Renee Fleming as the Marshal in. And, of course, the rest of the cast is just incredible. Alina Garancha I think Aaron Morley. Yes, I'm very so excited and... to see Alina
1: Garantza. Yes. So the <laughs> Renee Fleming-Alina Garantza duo is going to be quite a dynamic duo, I right. think, for this.
0: Yeah, and uh, as a new production, it's directed by Robert Carson, mm-hmm. who brought us uh, the rollicking fall staff. Uh, several seasons ago. And he has said that uh, the piece is being set at the end of the Habsburg Empire, uh, sort of underscoring this idea of class and conflict, but then setting it against a background of the gilded gold and a red damask, which I can't say is not too far away from what the inside of the house looks like with all the gold and all the red (laughs) so uh, it'll be an exciting evening uh meister levine will be in the pit conducting the orchestra and conducting one of his favorite pieces so uh, while there's only a few performances i think it'll be very exciting to sort of see this production uh in a somewhat traditional look Uh, Mm -hmm. but just in a different time period. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Robert Carson is such a smart, uh, intelligent stage director, so it's fun to experience his work uh, and see what he brings out of the story Mm -hmm. uh, that's different than uh, what we've seen before. Mm
2: -hmm. For sure. I'm very excited just because Falstaff was one of my favorite things that I saw this season that it it premiered. It was just such a wonderful production. So, yeah, I'm very excited as to what he's going to do with this. Yes.
1: All right, so that's our new productions and so we've kind of done it like a whirlwind tour through those but i think aside from the new productions all three of us have different things that we are excited to see or on the season this year so i think what we'll do is we'll kind of go around the table and talk about some of the non-new production things that we're excited about um, so that we can kind of get everyone's take on what you think are going to be at least for yourself, the hot tickets or the must-see things this season. So why don't we start uh, across from me with Stuart?
0: Great. Um, I think what is exciting about this next season is the variety. Mm -hmm. I think that there's so many different productions for us to see. Even in the repertoire productions, there's just a great variety from... German to French to Slavic repertoire. Yeah, there's a lot of Slavic repertoire.
2: Mm -hmm. I think
0: that there's just there's just something exciting about having that variety and opportunity to see those different things. Um, I think that we also have really struck a balance this season with well-known titles and things that we don't get to see very often. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that those rarities make it uh, a must-see sort of situation at the house. Um, I'm excited about a lot of our casting this season. I think, as I said in Romeo and Juliet, I think Deanna Damrau and Vittorio Grigolo will sort of Mm -hmm. burn up the stage uh, recreating that passion and excitement they brought to audiences during Manol uh, back in Romeo and Juliet. Um, I also think that it's Very exciting to have Miss Anna Netrebko back with us in two (laughs) productions next (laughs) season. I think hearing her tackle Puccini's Mano Lascaux promises to be something very exciting. And I think it'll be hopefully, sort of uh, another uh, pièce de résistance or sort of a coup de théâtre for her, similar to what happened when she sang uh, Lady Macbeth.
2: Right, Um, yes.
0: Very different roles but I think uh, as an actress she will fling herself into it and then to see her in one of her signature roles as Tatiana in Mm -hmm. Eugene Onegin, I think that that's just really something special to be able to experience and that she's going to do it with Dmitry Hovstovsky sort of Ups the ante and the excitement quotient, I think, for that piece. Yes, and fight... I
1: think it's gonna be
2: hard to get tickets for that. Yeah, I Definitely. I'm excited yeah. yeah. about that. Anyagin <laughs> um, is one of my favorite operas, so I'm really excited for Mine this. Mine as one. well. Yeah. So when I saw
1: she was coming back, I loved her when she kind of made her Met debut. In that role so it's mm-hmm. really exciting to see her back again singing it and him I mean yeah it's s- gonna be something
0: yeah and I think out of the Slavic repertoire the thing that I'm probably most excited about is to see the revival of Yenifa mm. um, I think we saw really great things from Oksana Dika as Igor's wife in uh, Prince Igor right. so to hear her in Yennifa, I think will be really really exciting and Matila Karita That's- Matila is mm-hmm. back uh, in uh, sort of debuting the role of the Kosolnitschka at the house. She's done at other places. But I think that's something really exciting. We don't get to experience Yennefer. And those two women, I think, are really going to bring some excitement to that opera.
1: For sure. All right, Elspeth, do you have some uh, favorite things or exciting things when you saw the season announcement? (laughs) I
2: do. Stuart took most of them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I'm actually really excited to see Italian Girl because it's a Rossini opera that I haven't seen at the house because it hasn't been there in, gosh, I don't know how long. But um, Elizabeth Deshawn is singing the lead role, and um, she's been in a couple of things this season. She was the... um, the little boy in Lulu, Mm -hmm. the Boy Scout sort of character, I forget what his name is. but I think she's an incredible singer. The first time I saw her was when she was in Enchanted Island as Hermia, and I think she's fantastic, and I, I can't mm-hmm. wait to, to see her do some Rossini. She's just a really incredible singer, so I'm very excited for that. Great. And it's a good production from what I've seen on Met Player and all of that, so yeah, I'm really excited for that one.
0: Yeah, the jean Panel Penel Exactly, yes.
2: and of course, Yiannfa, and of course, Onyegin, and um, I'm also really excited to see me. Yeah. Because I have not seen that at the house. It's still one of my Well, why don't I lead <laughs> right into you and you can talk about it if you like.
1: But yes, Zalame, I'm very excited to see that coming back. come back. I have a strange kind of fascination with that opera. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's so kind of chaotic but beautiful all at the same time. And so yeah. I think that's going to be really interesting. And that production, I believe, for Zalame is the one that we saw in HD uh, not too long ago. So it mm-hmm. has a kind of... 1980s Vegas vibe <laughs> to it, almost. I don't know how wearing to describe the it. The slip
2: dress. It's really difficult to describe if yeah. you've yes. seen it. And yeah. there's kind of like a tuxedo suit
1: for Zolome in it as well. I think, so. At some yeah. Point. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, and there's the, there's sort of these avenging angels yes. that are sort mm-hmm. of there with the head scarves and the black robes with mm-hmm. the big angel wings, so it's, it's very sort of a um, Mismatch of time periods and clothing uh, Mm -hmm. sort of adds to that beautiful grotesque that you sort of talked about. I think that it's a it's a nice fit for the storytelling that Oscar Wilde brought Mm -hmm. to the original story, and then is enhanced with this. Very um, sort of crazy Strauss score.
1: Yes, right. And it has a lot of levels in this stage as well, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of opportunity for Zalame to move around to
2: mm-hmm. do interesting things with the where she is on the stage at what time, and right. so and the very intimate dance of the seven veils. Yes, which uh, Matila, who did the original production, very famously totally went all the way, all the way with it. Yes. And so we'll see if that
3: happens in this
2: time. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> that was part
1: of what caused the whole success from Scandal when it premiered was partially right. just yes. how risque the opera was for its time. And mm-hmm. so that will be, it's always interesting to see what they, how they handle that whenever the production comes back, wherever it is, mm-hmm. right? We do have a clip for this, so let's give it a listen so that we get a sense of what the musical sound is behind this very famous scene. Right, so Zolomé, we're looking forward to it. Uh, of course, I'm always looking forward to any Mozart that is on the season. Mm-hmm. And so this season, I'm very excited to see Idomeneo come mm-hmm. back. That is an opera that we rarely see mm-hmm. on stages generally. And so, although it is definitely part of Mozart's uh, repertoire that's done fairly often, but it's certainly not as popular as the De Ponte operas. And so, Um, it's exciting to see that come back. And then there's also Don Giovanni coming back, and the Magic Flute is the family production again this year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's it's nice to have kind of a trio of Mozart things to go see. And... I think I just want to echo Stuart in that the variety this season is really exciting. That was one of the most exciting things for me when I saw the lineup. I just feel like there really is something for everyone. And if you're new to opera or you just want to kind of dip your toe in, you can really kind of sample many different subgenres of opera this season. You can Mm -hmm, get a sense of the French repertoire, Italian repertoire, kind of more modern things. Uh, Also some really... Eda Mineo being the most early thing mm-hmm. here as well. And so I just think there's re- there really is something for everybody mm-hmm. this season. One production we haven't touched on, how much do we know or what do we know about Cyrano? Oh, well, the hmm. Cyrano
0: production is, I believe, the Francesca Zimbalo production. Yeah. Uh, that when it was last at the Met had Sondra Ravinovsky and, uh, and Domingo. Uh, as the Cyrano and the Roxanne. Uh, So I think it'll be kind of exciting to see that come back because we don't get to see it very often. Of Mm -hmm. course, the composer is Alfano. Mm -hmm. I mean, his big claim to fame is is that he was called upon to finish Turandot for Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So nice that he gets his His own own... sort of musical uh, stamp Mm -hmm. at the Met. Uh, with this piece. But I think that the casting uh, should be rather exciting. I mean, Patricia Rossette is mm-hmm. taking on Roxanne, so it'll be nice to have her back with us. Of course, there's Roberto Alagna in the title role. Um, Roberto's having great success singing Des uh in the Men on the Go right now. Mm-hmm. So it'll be exciting to see him uh, explore some more French repertoire. I always love hearing him sing in French. I just think oh, that yeah. he just has a great sense of the language Mm -hmm. and has a great musical style with it so i think his chemistry also with patricia Richette, who is such an exciting actress on stage as well as a great singer i think you know it could be a sleeper hit It it comes at the end of the season there's only four performances so you know, it could be the, like, hot ticket.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Stuart and I always talk about how if you see a production at the end of the season that only has four or five performances then you should really kind of do a little digging or research because there's something special about that production they right. always put a kind of special treasure right at the end and so we've seen that with Poulange's A Dialogue of the Carmelites we see it this season I think with Abduction from the Seraglio mm-hmm. when well, we saw it
0: last season with the Rake's, Rake's Progress yes. Progress.
1: Progress, mm-hmm. yeah. so there's always some kind of special treasure nugget I think at the end of the season so this is one of those I think so I think so Now, before we move on to uh, our projections for sleeper hits, I know Stuart mentioned one already. Is there anything else before we kind of give our last two cents
2: worth? Um, Well, for all you Wagner fans out there, so we're opening the season with Tristan, but we also have very exciting Flying Dutchman coming up um, at the end of April through May. So it's the tail end of the season. So I know there are a lot of Wagner fans out there. So worry not if you can't get tickets. To Tristan for uh, whatever reason, uh, *Fleek* into *Hollander* is coming up, so right and such check an exciting
0: out. cast. Exactly. For that. I mean, we see the return of Jay Hunter Morris mm-hmm. as the Eric. You know, we haven't seen him since he portrayed Siegfried in *The Ring*. Right. right
2: to a lot uh, of success.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a uh, you know powerhouse mezzo, Dolores Zajic, <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, which is exciting. Uh, and Amber uh, Wagner as uh, Senta, uh, and then. Maestro Yannick in the video. At pit. last. I Everyone's
2: love favorite He's my
0: conductor crush by
1: far.
0: No, I believe (laughs) it. I think there's something about Maestro Yannick that everybody loves. He just has a sense of energy Mm -hmm. and enthusiasm and excitement for all of the music that he conducts. Um, It's a joy to see him in the pit, but it's also really exciting to see him work with the Philadelphia Orchestra when they're here Mm -hmm. in town uh, at Carnegie Hall. And you get to see him up out of the pit and see all of the sort of physical energy and emotion that he brings to conducting the orchestra.
1: He really is an amazing conductor to watch just his style, how he... I mean, it seems so silly to say, you know, how a conductor moves their body, but it's true just how he uses his hands and his arms and just to watch mm-hmm. him conduct is is really interesting and a really kind of treat for the eye when he's out of the pit and not buried. Mm-hmm. Um, so then sometimes when you're sitting up near the edge of a, one of the balconies at the Met, it's kind of the perfect eyesight to see the conductor as sure. well. So that's an exciting thing about being up there.
2: Hmm. So it'll be a fun season because it opens with Wagner and yes. pretty much closes yes. with yeah. Wagner.
1: Alright, shall we talk about some sleeper hits then?
2: Uh, sure. Sleeper hits. Our projections. <laughs> so, uh,
1: so we've mentioned Cyrano. Stuart, that's one of your Uh, One of your picks for a possible sleeper hit next season? Yeah,
0: I just think that there's something about it. As you said, there's these little treasures that happen at the end of the season. Um, And such an exciting cast, I think it could be sort of the sleeper hit. Um, I also sort of wonder about things like Puritani. And maybe not because of the production, because we've seen this production before, but... For the cast itself yeah. we have Deanna Damrau and Javier Camarena oh. who when they were together the last time it was in Mary Zimmerman's La Sonambula*. which while some audiences weren't really excited about that production they were excited about that singing that happened oh. with the two of them.
1: I was in the house when he did his premiere in that production and just the audience went crazy and he was amazing. And so, it was, you know, <laughs> justly so.
0: Yes. And I think that cast also has Luca Pizzarone, who yep. is also oh, another um... one
1: of my favorites.
0: <laughs> a house favorite. And I think that it promises that cast I think could make it a sleeper hit, that audiences mm-hmm. are excited to sort of come out and see that. Um, I think also perhaps another sleeper hit may be the revival of Verter.
3: Oh.
1: Time will
0: tell, but I'm sort of looking into my crystal ball. Uh, <laughs> Isabelle Leonard is the Charlotte, uh, mm-hmm. and then Vittorio Grigolo is the Verter. So it could possibly be some exciting chemistry, some mm-hmm, exciting yeah. singing. Uh, it's a Richard Eyre production. Uh, so I- I'm not sure. Again, The crystal ball Mm. is sort of cloudy on what can be the sleeper hit. It always changes every year. You Um, had
2: an interesting projection, Elspeth, when we were chatting earlier. Oh, Traviata. Um, So this is a production that a lot of people have seen. It's been in the rep for a while. But this season, um, we have some really exciting cast pairings. Sonia Yoncheva is back as mm-hmm. violetta and then she was as Demona in, in otello. Yes, yeah, she was as yes. Demona in otello. And uh Michael Fabiano, who I believe is making his role debut in this house. Yes. Yes, as Alfredo. Um and that's going to be really exciting. I don't know if people remember, I think it was last season when they did Bohem. Um And he stepped in with Angela Yorgu. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it was an incredible and exciting thing. There were all these write ups about it in the New York Times. Um, He's an incredible singer, and it's exciting to um, see him get to do more lead things at the house. And also, Thomas Hampson's gonna be singing Germain. And I think that everybody should uh, check that out because I think it's gonna be a really great, great casting and really great singing of a classic opera. All right. And I'm going to
1: stand by my Mozart for my speaker <laughs> hit okay. pick. I, I'm going to stand by Ido Mineo. I think that it's an opera that perhaps we kind of might expect a little bit of run-of-the-mill Mozart, but I think that I remember seeing La Clemenza di Tito, which to me is kind of in a similar camp as Ido Mineo, as a more serious work and mm-hmm. something that's not part of the kind of most beloved Mozart corpus. And so I feel like... With the right cast, with the right production, I think it's going to be... Uh, really fantastic, and it will be exciting because audiences haven't seen it, might not know it. So, I think they're gonna go and they're gonna fall in love. That's my projection. Okay,
0: <laughs> you know, I think I would have to probably agree that that could very well be a sleeper hit, and I think it's because of the cast. Yes, and you have Matthew Polanzani mm-hmm. who sort of hit an amazing oh, home yes. run with Pearl Fishers this past season. It was um, we've got the return of Alice Coote. Uh, we have I Nate- love her, right? <laughs> Alice yeah. We have Nadine Sierra uh, and we also have Elsa Vandenheaver who had the great success in The
1: Tudor Queens. The Tudor Queens right. this yes. past season. Mm-hmm.
0: So I think that that cast, along with Maestro Levine in the pit, mm-hmm. and it is a Jean Pierre Ponel production. Yes. So it's an older traditional production. So, Naomi, you might actually have a better finger uh, on maybe the I'm pulse of say. the sleeper gifts. <laughs> maybe you know? she bets
1: and see. We'll have an office poll. Okay. <laughs> All right, I think that's all of our kind of projections and fortune telling in the opera world for today. So hopefully we've given you some things to check out and research a little bit more, and hopefully given you some productions and some operas that you might not have known much about before listening today, but are excited to see now that you've heard our kind of take on them. And so thank you so much for listening and we'll hopefully see you at the opera next season. Thank you, Stuart, and thank you, Elspeth, for being with me today. Thank very you. lovely to have you. This thank is a you. lot of fun. <laughs> all right, that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening.